0: Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. A quick note before the show begins. The audio from these podcasts mostly come from live video YouTube streams on my channel. They may vary in quality from show to show and reference visual content not described to you, the listener. I'm sorry about that. If you prefer video to go with this audio, head over to youtube.com backslash from F-R-U-M-E-S-S for the whole enchilada. Who doesn't like a whole enchilada anyway? Good evening. Hey, look at <laughs> all we had. All we had comments, we had comments coming in before before I even went live. I love it when that happens. That's that makes me feel good. Hello, everyone. Welcome to tonight, paging Dr. Frost. <laughs> um, how y'all doing? We are discussing Black Flag again tonight. Why, why so soon? Why the follow-up so soon? Because the last one went for three and a half hours and we covered a lot, but there was some more that I felt like I wasn't doing a good job with and wanted to sort of continue it in another part. I I don't think we'll be doing a part three. Uh, I I want to, again, state that that a lot of this stuff is... Here say I am not an expert on, just to reiterate, not an expert on Black Flag, wasn't there. I, I don't know all the details. I we are just simply, you know, taking a look at this stuff in the way that we do with all the misfit stuff. We're approaching it from that sort of angle. I also want to say that <clears throat> I really have a lot of respect for Keith Morris. And I, I really think it's like a shame that people were kind of um you know i guess people were at least according to him that you know he was kind of getting like a bad rap as someone who was trying to steal the 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 bars and like the name and the bars from greg Ginn and that really he he explains it himself so what we have to what we have for you is sort of the resolution of the stuff we started when when we kind of finished with the, that last episode um the court threw out the injunction against Greg Ginn. And what was the injunction? Greg Ginn was trying to stop Flag from touring his flag. And they were like, basically like, you know, Greg Ginn and his lawyers were like, yo, there's going to be brand confusion. Um, You know, this hurts us. And the court was like, look, we don't see any of that as possible. And, you know, if you look at in interviews with Keith Morris, uh, if you look at interviews with Bill Stevenson and some other people, whoa, the Yeet is back, but he has a new name. What's up, Yeet? <laughs> Evil flies a kite. I love it. Welcome back, Yeet. Good to see you. Happy New Year. Um, yeah, the 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 the, law, the judge the law, the judge threw out the case or 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 you know rejected the injunction and flag was allowed to be flagged. Oh, that's what I was saying. Uh, you know, Keith Morris and Bill Stevenson, some other people, they've all said, you know, like, like it's not black flag without Greg Ginn, like a completely acknowledging the significance of Greg Ginn. We're not here to debate whether, you know, uh, Greg Ginn's significance, but I would argue, or I would clarify that, you know, there's so much more to Black Flag, even as a casual listener, you know, loose fan. There's so much more to Black Flag than just Greg Ginn. And we've seen that in these reunion lineups where it's just Greg Ginn and three guys. And Mike Valley, you know, I guess he's OK. I, I don't know. I don't have anything against Mike Valley. But, you know, it just the, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like Black Flag. It just feels like Greg Ginn playing with, you know, he's always the, the rhythm section is always like in their their early 20s, it seems. So it's just kind of weird. I don't know. It just doesn't feel very cohesive. There's no co cohesion to, to it. Um, what we're going to look at first. So as I said, they threw it out and Flag was able to tour. So Flag toured. What we're going to look at is two pieces, and that's really, I think, going to close the book on the Black Flag thing, at least for now. We're going to look at two pieces, specifically not so much at the beef between Greg Ginn and the rest of Black Flag, but more so um, we're going to look at Henry and Keith's problems, and they've briefly kind of spoken about it in media. Uh, Henry Rollins alluded sort of alluded a little bit to it in a podcast in a very sort of like polite, like political way, like the way that Henry Rollins does and frankly should in a very, I would say gentlemanly, it was gent. It's like the right way to, that you would want to say it. And even Keith Morris, like wears his heart on his sleeve when he talks like very passionate talker, great interviewee, like just from watching him. Uh, And we're going to be taking a look at a podcast clip where he talks about this stuff specifically and i would urge you to su- not only subscribe to the to the the channel which belongs to a gentleman by the name of joseph arthur the link is in the description to the full to the to the full to the channel i think not to the actual uh podcast go subscribe and go listen to the full keith morris thing but i have actually taken a a small clip and sort of edited it I, I I cut it down for clarity and you know um took out some of the cursing because YouTube has just been like so like like on on my back about the cursing stuff recently uh so I kind of like you know shortened it and and edited it a little bit for clarity but for the full thing go go to his go check out his channel descriptions in the comments same thing with the the Henry Rollins podcast did it with 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 Rick Rubin great listen. You probably have listened to it already if you are a Black Flag Henry Rollins follower, but we're going to look at one specific section where Henry kind of, I think, really talks about or at least sort of alludes to alludes to it. That's the best way to say alludes to the the um, tension between him and the other guys and like where where they are all at. So, you know, as we know, you know, flag did go back out. I think they played some shows in 2019, but that was, you know, it's very sporadic. Like they're not, you know, flag has not tried. It's not like they have, you know, jumped on every reunion circuit that they can. And part of that has to do with scheduling. You know, they all are busy men with busy schedules, but it really, it really does feel like it's about just the, the uh, playing the songs for the glory of playing the songs and enjoying enjoying them, you know, uh, Joe, Joe here says he's a diehard Rollins fan. So am I. I love Henry. I love Henry Rollins. I do. And the stuff that Keith Morris kind of says about him is, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess I, I see both sides. That's the best way to put it. And that's not me trying to like be in the middle, you know, like, uh, I guess weighing in as a YouTube commentator, which is something that Keith mentions in the little clip. He's all like, you know, every, you know, guy who knows every little thing about black, Flag. not me personally. I mean, just in general, weighing in on on and judging this situation that he did not want. He did not want the situation to be public, but it became public. But he talks about that. Um, and I'm sorry, Yeet, I'm going to stay on topic. I, I'm not into Roland's band. I like his spoken word. We're, we're going to try and keep it on a topic. We don't want this to go for another three and a half hours because it will. Because we, it's it's me, you guys. I'll just deviate in two seconds. So, so first, let's take a look at this. This is the first piece we are going to look at. I have three pieces here. I really prepped for this show. Like I said, I just I, it felt the last show, despite being as long as it was, felt still felt incomplete to me, and I just wanted to. Whoa! Why did that happen? Just now let's stop sharing. Hmm. Let's try that one more time. Oh, I see what happened. Let's try that one more time, shall we? My apologies, everyone. My apologies indeed. Yeah, it just jumps to that because it's a weirdo. That's why. Here, we'll keep this up here. Here we go. That's what that that's what the problem is. This is from Consequence of Sound. This is uh, the title is well. This is by Michelle uh, Gasani Sorry if I'm butchering your name. It was posted April twenty first, twenty fourteen, at twelve fifty one p.m. Black Flag and Flag settle lawsuit. Greg Ginn to retain all rights. This is super. Important, you guys. Super duper important. Um for what we are about to to you know look into. Last August, Black Flag co-founder Greg Ginn filed a lawsuit against former bandmates Keith Morris, Des Kadena, uh Chuck Dukowski, and Bill Stevenson, who had reunited under the flag banner. G- Ginn claimed that he and his label SST Records exclusively own the rights to the Black Flag, name, logo, and recordings. Uh, Almost one year and a failed injunction later, the case has finally been settled. Remember that Ginn claimed that his label exclusively owned the rights, but they hadn't filed any trademarks. And actually it was a Japanese clothing company that had filed that. We talked about that last time in 2008, they owned, they owned the trademark to, I think it was not the name black flag, but the bars, the bars logo. One of the two was not trademarked by By them, and Keith Morris talks about this in the pod in in that podcast clip. And you know, I am going to, well, well, I'll get there in a second, I'll get there in a second, but yeah. So, almost one year and a failed injunction later, the case has finally been settled. Gin will legally retain those affirmation rights, uh, thus, flag can no longer use the black lag logo. Black flag logo, what I say, black lag logo, (laughs) black lag logo. That's funny. Um. But here's what's funny or here's what's interesting they were I mean as far as we know they were never flag was not the same as the black flag logo that was the that was why the injunction failed in the first place so this article doesn't seem to have it right in the sense that they, you know they didn't um they didn't, they they weren't using that that logo uh, a press release via pitchport Pitchfork notes that Ginn and SST will hold onto ownership of all the recordings of Black Flag and all rights in the Black Flag name and logo. So Ginn has everything. He is in control of all, of everything. Um, the settlement also addresses Ginn's previously filed injunction against Morris and Henry Rollins, who were accused of trademark infringement by lying to the Trademark Office on uh, registrations and using his own label's record covers to feign as though they had been continuing to use the black flag since 1979. According to the press statement, both Morris and Rollins have conveyed any rights they had in that trademark to Greg Ginn and SST records. So Ginn, since 2014, has been in complete control of all black fa- flagged him. but it's a little bit more complicated than that. So we have to now sort of rewind a second. But before we even do that, let's now take a look at this. So let's take a look at what how Henry Rollins or what Henry Rollins has to say about his bandmates at this point in time currently. Like what, where, where is Henry at? And he's talking, this is him in conversation with Rick Rubin, producer Rick Rubin. Um, you know, we all know who he is. He, he does this podcast. This is the broken record. And it's actually a really great podcast. I, I rec, I would recommend everybody check it out. Really cool stuff. And we're going to take a look at a clip from that. And I put the link to the full thing in the description for anybody who wants to check it out, okay? So we're just gonna listen to a clip real quick. I'm not gonna talk for this, cause it's very short. And I put the time, it's right at the timestamps. So it should just start up. Okay, we're gonna hear Henry Rollins now.
1: We can't afford what it would really cost. And so we would do everything at night, like tons of overdubs and finish the record at night. And Unicorn probably made plenty off us. He's
0: talking about real quick, he's talking about Black Flag sneaking into Unicorn's recording studio late at night to do to get basically steal steal studio time from Unicorn, which is I think since gone belly up. So he's like finally like revealed this this little detail. Um so that's what he's talking about. He's talking about recording the, the damaged record. It's a great interview. You should listen to the whole thing.
1: But we made that record um you know, by using it at night, and who knows if they knew or even cared but we we did that, but we made the record very quickly because of all the demoing and the years of playing those songs on stage. Some of the songs were new, like t v party was super new, but the rest of them were like you know a couple of years old, so like it wasn't like anyone had a question about them You you'd been playing a hundred times by eighty three we're playing the songs that wouldn't be released until 84. In fact, my war,
0: slip it in all. I mean, he's basically just overviewing the ending of Black Flag, which is cool because we get to hear from his first person POV about how Black Flag broke up, and then it goes into the part about his relationship with Black Flag members, sorry.
1: All those, we demoed those in 82. That's how quick Greg and Chuck were writing them. So we're still doing the damage set, but we're playing the rock stuff. And so we started playing those songs in late 82, 80, September 82 into 83. And the audiences are just like standing there flipping us off. It's like, nope, what is this? And by 84, it's all seven minute sludgy, slow songs. And the audience was of two minds, either like, man, this has never been better. Like, this is the most intense, or I hate you guys, and I paid my $5.50 to come here and abuse the singer. (laughs) (laughs) And it only became more either with us or against us, because every album was different. By 86, the shows, the audiences were pretty angry, because they didn't like the new songs, and a lot of them they hadn't heard and they wanted the old ones and they took it out on us like things would hit the stage equipment would get abused the pa would get abused the players would get abused the singer would get abused and so by the end of that the last tour it was henry loves
0: to uh annotate how he was abused and he was abused quite a bit as you guys probably all know being bigger Black Flag fans than me. And we've talked about Henry's axe handle and the chain that he used to wear around his waist and that he was, he was definitely a scrapper as a result of having to be the front man of Black Flag.
1: Kind of a a miserable hate fest of a record or songs that people weren't that into lyrics. I didn't quite get along with all that well in a band that was incredibly unhappy. And I'm not, Trying to put anyone down it's just you know people are together in a band very intensely it is what it is you know know, you've you've been around a a few bands in your life rick it's closer than a family yeah it's a bunch of crazy creative people all in a compressed space doing the same thing every night and everything smells like somebody's lawn but if it if it was something bad was happening right now i'd be right there like i got this hit me instead
0: how did it so there there you have it am i frozen right now Oh, crap. That is really annoying. Son of a bitch. All right. No, now it's unfrozen. I hope it's unfrozen. Um. So there you have it. He said, He said I'm really mad at some of them right now. Let's just take it back. Since I guess it froze a little bit. Let's just take that little part
2: back.
1: People have made me mad over the years when it came down a few things in your life. It's, it's closer right here. than a family. Yeah. It's a bunch of crazy creative people all in a compressed space doing the same thing every night when everything smells like somebody's laundry and you're like okay I hate your guts so let's go on tour and that's how it it is as much as those people have made me mad over the years when it came down to it I would jump in front of anything bad coming their way I, I have to because yeah. we're all on that battlefield and you know and the, some of those men make me very angry. So
0: there you have it. He says, and some of those men make me very angry. And he is definitely talking about, he's definitely like talking it plural. He's not saying he's not like singling out just Greg Ginn. He's talking about multiple people. So that might, and again, we don't know who he's talking about specifically, and I'm not going to assume I try try our best not to make any assumptions, but I would imagine, or if I had to take a guess, I would say that it was not just Greg Ginn, but it's also Keith Morris and Chuck Dukowski. So that's the first part. Now, um, can anybody please confirm that you can hear me or that, you know, we're still copacetic here. my, my wife rearranged furniture in the room where we keep the router, and I feel like the wood might be blocking something, something. Um. In any case, let's just – oh, yeah, everybody, I'm getting confirmations. We're still good. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Riot. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Joe. Okay, that's all that matters. All right, so now – Okay, as long as the sound is good, sound is all that matters. The the picture is uh, it's just my mug, right? Um, Okay, so now we're going to look at the last part. I'm I'm giving you guys a heads up here. I'm going to pause and play a lot. It's you're going to like that's just the way it is. I'm going to be weighing in and sort of inserting context to what is being said, because the way that Keith Moore speaks and again, I have so much respect for Keith Morris and like how personable he is. You are Quaid, Doug. <laughs> where's, where's, uh, what's his name? Uh, Watu? No, what, <laughs> what, <Where? laughs> go to Mars. Um, two weeks, two weeks. No, um, the, for anybody who knows what references those were to. No, I, I just really have a lot of respect for, um, keith morris and the way that he sort of like um is very uh personable and candid about these you know very frustrating situations however um there you know keith is also very capable of sort of he speaks like abstractly or he he puts he puts like there's blanks you know like there's like that you have to fill in the blanks or, or if like he's talking sorry i am um i'm trying my best to expi- uh, explain myself and i'm having trouble coming up with the words he's he's talking like we all know the situation and so like you know the, not speaking in an abbreviated sort of manner if that makes any sense so i'm going to pause and try my best to guess what the gaps are and again I really want to emphasize, I don't know, this is conjecture and we are filling in with assumptions, The not assumptions, we're filling in with guesses the best we can, but we're not going to assume that these are still the facts. But here is also Keith sort of, you know, speaking from his perspective, like again, with people accusing him of trying to steal stuff from Greg Ginn right from under his nose when, you know, quite well. Keith Keith does a great job of speaking for himself in that in that regard. So we'll let him do it. So I'm going to bring this up now. Hopefully we don't have too many pauses, guys. Please let me know if the audio or video again, if the video skips, I apologize. Audio is all that matters. Now, this clip is from the Joseph Arthur channel. The link is in YouTube comments. You should head on over there and listen to the full three hour conversation because it's awesome. Again, for anybody who's just joining us, this has been edited for clarity. Some of the curse words have been cut out. It's been edited for a little bit of clarity, like pauses, gaps. Like he's eating a fruit salad while he's talking. And so, like, he pauses sometimes to eat. So, I like try to cut out as much of that as I can. So, just to make it, um, but I will be sort of pausing and playing. Alright, enough preamble, let's let's go into it. Hopefully that you'll be able to hear this.
1: Here we go. To, to cover
2: you, the first four years.
1: Are you friends with Henry Rollins or do you know him or are you friendly with him? Henry
2: and I at one point we we could talk, we could sit down, we could listen to some music together, we could chit chat and be bros. Right. And it got ugly. It got ugly. We we, we went through a lawsuit.
0: Uh. See, this is I mean, this was so interesting to me. I had no idea that things had gotten ugly between Henry and Keith, because all you hear about, you know, they did the West Memphis three CD together, the benefit covering Black Flag songs that they were licensing from Greg Ginn, by the way. You know what I mean? And so it's just really interesting to to sort of learn that there that they had this falling out or that there was this falling out. And yeah. why and
2: um i can't get into any of the details because i'm going to get into all of the details when i write my next book okay and i i signed on the bottom line the the very last thing in the lawsuit for me i signed on the very last line and one of the stipulations or one of the terms was you will not talk about this lawsuit Mm -hmm.
0: OK, very quick. This isn't here again. Perfect thing to interject because he just I had to watch this a few times to sort of th- think I understand what he's trying to say. When he talks about that first part about like writing out stipulations and signing stuff, the the paper, the official lawsuit paper, whatever the thing is that's typed up by the law office, it need, it's it first needs to go through, you know, people. Yes, Mark, this is live right now. This is live right now. Um, th- it first needs to go through a a round of, you know, revisions and additions by the people bringing the suit. So, for instance, let's say that they're they're writing something up, right? Like they're they're typing something up or they're typing up the terms and they're like, oh, actually add this in or take this out. It's like editing what they want to officially serve. I think. I think I don't know. I'm guessing that's what Keith is first referring to here. And one of the stipulations was that this lawsuit not be talked about as Keith just said. And so moving on. So that's what he's referring to. He's referring to the drafting of the papers.
2: Hmm. And um whoever wrote that up can go f- themselves if it if it was one of the guys in that law firm they they can um the reason (laughs) the reason i'm angry is i gave up lyrics Uh i gave up
0: so he's saying so somebody possibly in the law office for which for who was writing that stuff up i guess leaked Either leaked it or it got out somehow. It, it it came out despite the stipulation of nobody should be talking about this, or we don't we want to keep this um not spoken about per Keith Morris's request. They wanted privacy. And yes, Lobo Blanco, right. It like a confidentiality clause within the suit. And it's a totally respectable and understandable and they want. They want to conduct their business in private. They don't want it to be discussed on the Internet like we are discussing it right now. Shame on us.
2: <laughs> Sorry.
0: <laughs> um, so now and now he's about to start talking about royalties and concessions, and let's hear what he has to say. Well, I'm just going to take this back slightly
2: reason i'm angry is i gave up lyrics Uh i gave up a website that had almost a million people on the website to to receive royalties that trickle in like we were talking about spotify and all of that other stuff it's just so ridiculously weak it's like not even worth waiting around so he says i gave up lyrics and i gave up a website is
0: the way okay so again for someone who's more versed in Black Flag than me, I don't know. So I guess Keith Morris had his own Black Flag website that was getting a serious amount of, of web traffic, as he claims, I guess, via knowing the the analytics or whatever. there was, you know, over a million people were visiting his site. And when he says give up, gave up lyrics, he wrote lyrics to Black Flag songs, which means, you know, he is, you know, considered a co-writer, right? He, he'd be considered a, a co-writer um, in exchange for royalties. And, you know, when they're talking about Spotify, a lot of artists are so fed up with, you know, Spotify and the royalty situation. It is a terrible situation. Um, for some people, you know, again, depending on, you know, how many people have their hands in the cookie jar there. I mean, and if you're in fully in control of your facilities, you could be making a nice, chunk of change if you were an independent band that's in control of your own publishing and you have a following and you're getting a couple million streams per year on spotify you will make a couple thousand dollars there there is a little it's not a lot of money but it's a little chunk of change you know it is it is sad, lark it is sad mr mr black mr red mr lark we're just going to call you mr bark that's what we're going to call you Mr. Bark, it is sad, dude. What's up, Chad? Yeah, I—I I mean, he probably should not have signed it. Definitely shouldn't have signed it. But yes, Keith Morris is paused at the moment. We're just sort of pausing and playing as we go. You know, it's just—it's a bummer, dude. It, it is a bummer. Um, but he's talking about getting merch, merch royalties, or lack
2: thereof, and how it's just not even worth his time for that check for. 95 dollars or hundred and fifty dollars he's saying a check for 95 dollars
0: or 150 dollars but i'll tell you that's you know that is that is groceries man like you can't deny keith that's that's uh you know that's a bag of groceries at Whole Foods maybe you know i don't know or Trader Joe's or whatever you could probably eat pretty
2: good at Trader joe's around for, for that check for 95 dollars or hundred and fifty dollars mm-hmm. I signed up, when I signed that signature at the very bottom of that suit, where the finalization of the suit to receive a minimum $500 for merchandise. See, that was the carrot that was waved in front of my face.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, he says the carrot that was waved in front of his face. Who waved the carrot in front of his face? And I don't know the answer to that. What's up, Walter White? How you doing? Um, who waved the carrot? I agree. He is a true talent. Who waved the carrot in front of his face? Did Henry Rollins wave that carrot in front of his face I, I don't know. That's what I'm curious to know. Who is the, the, the waiver of the carrot? But that was what he was sort of hoping for in the long run that he would have stable, predictable sort of uh, royalty revenue, passive revenue coming. Because that's ultimately what, you know, not just the dream, but what you want as an artist. If you're an artist, if you're an artist, then like you know, you and you have some sort of content or whether it's r- or art or whatever you want to call it, whatever that thing that you have, you want it to be earning for you passively. And that's and and collecting income without you having to actively do anything. And so that is really the value of the carrot that that Keith Morris is talking about. I mean, that especially when you didn't receive it for, you know, many, 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 many years, um, Chad says removing your name off of stuff removes any leverage. No, no matter what they promise, they'll do. That is true. That is true. Um, sounds like a part of the suit. Give up the website and clicks and gain five hundred dollars, merch money. Now, some might say, "Well, uh, you know, a million dollars in clicks." You know, I mean, I'm sorry, a million pe- million people traffic and clicks or whatever is yeah right and a minimum of $500 versus $75 or $150 yeah sounds sounds pretty good and again we we see this we've seen this recently in a bunch of musicians who are actively just either liquidating their their publishing or signing it away for like the next 25 years like uh Bruce Springsteen Bob Dylan these guys are cashing out and the the the, the logic is they're so old at this point. You know, Bob Dylan is, you know, pushing 80, if he's, if not 80 already. And Bruce Springsteen's probably in his early 70s. These guys are old and they only have a finite amount of years. And no matter what they're bringing in yearly, you're getting an advanced. You're getting you're getting an advance off of it's essentially uh, it's all it's all future royalties that you might not that you might receive after your death if you don't get them now. So it kind of makes a lot of sense. And theoretically, if you're putting your catalog in the right hands, you know, then it's it's not such a bad thing. Chad says, even $1,000 a month isn't worth removing your name, in my opinion, off of Black Flag Anything. I think, I don't know, man. I think it depends. I think it totally depends. Right, sales made, McCartney a billionaire. well, it was a lot more than that I mean he he owns he owns publishing catalogs catalogs, you know who sold uh who sold to Sony um Bob Dylan did or Bruce Springsteen one one of that they they may I mean that was a really smart play. And, you know, they're going to be the arbiters of the catalog and ensure that there are releases to come for many, many years. I mean, Bob Dylan's vaults are probably they run so deep. I mean, there'll be releases forever and ever and ever. Okay. Lobo is saying that McCartney sold to Sony his catalog and made him a billion dollars. I didn't hear anything about that. I do know that McCartney is a billionaire. He's pretty much the most successful songwriter of all time, you know, financially, financially speaking. Um, in any case, you know, Keith, um key you know, Keith Keith is uh turned on to the idea of like surrender hey, surrender this stuff, and I'm gonna get um, you know, royalties, like proper, steady royalties.
2: You give up the lyrics, you give up the website, and will pay you merch royalties yeah. that equate to the, There are bootleggers on eBay that are making more than $500 every three or four months on black flag bootleg merch. Mm-hmm. At the halfway point of this wonderful lawsuit.
0: He talks about it a little bit later, but like. He went through the trouble with his other band, the CJs. I have to use the word CJ because I got in trouble with YouTube. He 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 um he got in, he got into trouble. I mean, he got he 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 had to fight tooth and nail to get all these bootlegs of his stuff taken down. These 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 the T-shirt bootleg bootleggers have you know got gotten out of control in the age of the internet. I mean, there's so many third-party places where you can get all sorts of really cool looking stuff, but it's not, you know, that revenue does not go to the band and go to any of the bands. You know, if you want to support a band, you got to buy merch from their from their um, website. The best way to support any band is, you know, back in the day when you can actually tour pre covid to go to the show and purchase merch at the merch table. That is like that is just like the biggest like um mitzvah that you can do for a band that you love. That's the best way to support them. That that money goes right in the band's pocket. Like right in the band like direct there's no there's no middleman. Maybe if the it's a crappy venue that's taking a merch merch percentage, which is just absolutely terrible when you think about it. Um but yeah. Greg Gin.
2: Oh he says so in the middle sorry sorry
0: sorry sorry let me just take this back just a smidge
2: at the halfway point of this wonderful lawsuit, Greg Ginn's lawyer got all huffy and puffing, and like "You don't f- with me, I'm going to f- bite your head off." Stepped up and told our lawyer, "We're not even at the halfway point yet, and I'm going to make it. I'm going to make this cost your clients five hundred thousand dollars." We're trying to bully you. He would have done it. Mm. Our lawyer said, "Guys." now it now it's crunch time because you're you I know that you guys on your best days aren't even going to be able to come close to that kind of money
0: so when he's saying on your best days i'm assuming that's if they were touring his flag i would imagine i don't know where all that money would come from you know to keep this fight going it's what that that's just that's a pyrrhic victory right we talked about this last time like where maybe you win, but like at what cost? And what what he's referring to about Ginn's lawyer, and here's what I'm trying to understand too. So, who is actively it, this? These have to be a part of their terms. In like, we will surrender over our publishing in exchange for getting uh, royalties. You know what I mean? Um. Yes, I know, uh, Cameron. I I know. I I decided not to. We talked about that a little bit, guys. You could check out this article in the comments. I decided to keep that separate. It just shows you what kind of guy Greg Ginn is. If you want to do more reading, I'm trying to keep that separate from this, but like that was like that's ultimately been the last word on Ginn, as far as I know, in terms of like you know, updates and stuff. And it's just really sad. And it's not just Ron Reyes who accused Greg Ginn of that. It was actually coming from his ex-wife as well. So check it out. And also, I guess there was an incident in 2006. You should you should check the, you should check all that stuff out. Um, But yeah, we're I, I no, I appreciate it, Cameron. We're going to keep that separate from this. Um, we, we're, we're keeping the focus on on specifically black flag related that stuff. So what I'm trying to know is, I guess, Ginn, on Gin's side, or for whatever reason, this is a detail that's being left out to us, clearly. For, but for whatever reason, Ginn's lawyer says, we'll tie you up in court and cost you tons of money. And this is a tactic. This is the ultimate reality about copyright, about anything in the realm of the law. It does not matter whether you are right or wrong. This is so sad, but this is true. It does not matter whether you're right or wrong in a situation. All that matters is how much money you have or what kind of resources you have. And what that means is that even if Ginn is wrong, even if Ginn could lose or even if Ginn, you know, wants whatever the case may be, like uh, he, he has the ability, he has resources, he has a lawyer that's going to tie up these other guys in a way that's going to just cost them so much money that it's not even worth it. This is, you know, going back to the idea, you know, uh, to bring up Michael Jackson for a brief moment, he, when all of his lost law stuff was happening, all that, the, all of his stuff, his court stuff was happening in both situations. And you know what I'm talking about? I'm not going to use the words on this stream, but you know what I'm talking about? And the lawyers from the opposing side, or his lawyers, counseled him and said, "Look, you should just pay out the twenty million. If you pay out twenty million now, then a you can keep the you can you can kill the publicity machine, which is you know just going crazy, the tabloids, everything. The media is having a circus, right? And b um, it, it it would cost you twice this amount to keep proving your innocence." So settle for 20 million now, you know, to shut these people up. And, you know, again, I'm not I I really want to just clarify. I'm not uh, uh, saying that Michael Jackson is innocent or guilty. I'm just stating the facts of what happened. And most certainly what might have set a precedent in the future. Let's just put it that way. Um, I, I think he acted incredibly inappropriately and was definitely guilty of something. What he was guilty of, I don't know. Uh, and that's a whole other ball of wax. But my point is is that he he caved and paid $20 million to essentially make that thing go away. And that's what happens in courts of law, where it's like you could settle for hundreds of thousands of dollars, whether you're innocent or guilty, all that stuff doesn't matter. All that matters is like, do you want to make this go away? Do you want to keep fighting this in court? Do you have the money? Do you have the resources? And Greg Ginn, Greg Gin's lawyer, is saying, "You guys don't have the the the. We'll just we'll just drain you. We'll just keep this going." And that's the sad truth. If I if I copyright an idea and I have like no money and a, a big studio. Like Netflix or something takes my movie idea and turns it into a film. And I hire a lawyer to sue Netflix. Netflix can still, you know, make that idea, make millions of dollars, however they make their money off of said idea. And I'm sitting here spending money to prove my copyright and protection. And maybe it takes 10 or 15 years and then maybe if, even if there is a court ruling, then they have to actually pay. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like there, that that's what, that's what so many corporations do. That's how so many corporations just get away with so much stuff. And that's the situation. It seems that, that Greg is talking. I mean, not Greg, uh, Keith is talking about right now. Um, let's, let's just take it back a quick second.
2: And close to that kind of money yeah and i can't keep charging you twenty five hundred dollars an hour twenty five hundred an hour because this work is going to pile up and it it, and it and that five hundred thousand could turn into like seven hundred thousand it could turn into nine hundred thousand that's just how all of this shit fucking works right Ooh, i miss those those cusses um but that's
0: that and that's exactly what Ginn and his lawyer want to happen. That's exactly what they want to happen. It's not even about, like, maybe even necessarily winning the, the suit or lack thereof or countersign or whatever. It's just about tying them up and, and, and their
2: resources up and costing them money. All right, And it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. What did that Henry... Uh... Henry was the first one served. Henry had Chuck and I come to his... Um, his um, nuclear bomb shelter up in the Hollywood Hills. Uh-huh.
0: Henry recently sold his nuclear bomb shelter and I saw pictures of it and he lives in the most beautiful, he calls it his util- utilitarian hovel. And this is the one thing that I kind of uh, roll my eyes at Um in regards to Henry Rollins. No, I do not. Cameron, I don't think Greg Ginn is currently touring at the moment, but they were, they were doing shows as recent as 2020 uh, the with Valley singing and um, just two you know, two young schmoes playing uh, for the rhythm section, you know? And yeah, that's what it is. It's using money to bleed people dry. That's what it is, man. Totally what it is. Um. This is the one thing that I think is kind of, you know, uh, doofy about Henry Rollins. Is that like, look, we know you're a punk rocker. We know you're an OG. We know that you earned your bones. But like he walks around like when he talks about like, I just like, you know, he talks about like eating food and like he sees free food and like wants. He's he's just trying to sound like a man of the people, like a blue collar man of the people sort of um, sort of thing. It's just so it it feels so disingenuous to me a little bit, or it almost kind of makes you cringe when you then look at where he lives. Like I looked at his apart, his house or whatever. He lives in the Hollywood Hills. Yeah, exactly. CWB. He lives in the Hollywood Hills. And like, he's talking about, like he always in every interview, he he like has to like play up, you know, his roots of where he came from. Like can't acknowledge that he like actually is like a self-made millionaire who is incredibly successful and rightfully earned, you know not not rightfully. I mean like just like well deserved. Well deserved for all of his incredibly hard work. He's an incredibly hard working individual. Don't want to take that away from him. But like this whole like this whole like I'm still a punk rock guy deep down and maybe he is a little bit. But like he's, you know, he's bougie Hollywood Hollywood now. Come on. Like you know that's the one thing that kind of like Keith Keith uh, doesn't feel that way but you know and, and yes that's true JD he uh, uh, Rollins Rollins is uh, you know minted he's got he, he is he's sitting on millions he's he's accumulated a lot of wealth you know he's accumulated a lot of wealth and he he's the one who came to you know Keith and uh, I guess he came to Keith and as he's saying th- that they went over let, let me let me just take this back slightly Oh, no, we didn't want to do that whoops
2: uh right about here, Chuck and I come to his um his um nuclear bomb shelter up in the Hollywood hills uh-huh. and we had a we had a um conversation where he suggested we go to spot, we get all of the tapes back we bake the tapes because the tapes are so old they're going to need to get fixed so they can be played so they can be played one more time Mm because that's what happens when you bake the tape you got like one more spin that is so
0: cool by the way and we've talked about that in the realm of the misfits dude like the uh we've talked about like that the all those recordings from the tape as we've said the tape at that time the way it's chemically treat the way it was chemically treated or the compounds in the tape they are they're not stable they they have to be or they've they they're they're warped or whatever they they've shrank i think maybe it, they shrank or it has to do with moisture or something they have to heat the tapes so that it could be spun one more time. They run them through the playhead and then that's it. You either get it or you don't. So it's like kind of like a, a nail biting sort of situation, a little bit. <laughs> Keith is still wearing the same hat from 1995. Well, it's not like Henry dresses all fancy and whatever. Henry just is also very utilitarian and is. In his in his image, he just wears black shirts and black slacks or like or like gray shirts to he get he, all of his money goes to his his very, um, you know, uh, expensive uh, record listening habit, you know. Um, so he said, uh, Keith will hang out with you at shows. Henry disappears. Yeah, I could imagine that um, Henry Rollins writes, releases, books, tours, probably invests in things as well. Can't hate or shoot him down because he's on it with his money. No, uh Sunset, I, I just want to clarify, I'm not, that's not what I'm saying at all. It's like it, I'm saying kudos. And I love Henry. Big fan. Listen to all of his stuff. Listen, to all his spoken word. I've seen him do the spoken word thing twice. Got to meet him once after a show. Really nice, awesome guy. Love his podcast. Love everything he's done. Not so much of a fan of his music, but like like all of his spoken word and all of his stories. He's an incredible storyteller. Truly. What I what I roll my as I said earlier, what I roll my eyes at is like this sort of perceived like like I'm I don't know where my next job is or like, uh, you know, free food. I don't want to starve like this sort of like it. It's just kind of I don't know. It feels kind of like baloney to me. It's just kind of like uh just wanting to sort of be like, hey, I'm still one of the blue collar punk kids, you know, from where from which I came, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know, but it just feels A little disingenuous when, as as Mike says, Keith will hang out with you at shows and Henry will disappear. Although I'm, I who knows? Like, yeah, I'm sure Henry, you know, will will take pictures with some people. I got I met him after a show that was two thousand eight, though. So who knows? Who knows now? Um, crazy white boy says, "Yes, he does." I talked to Keith for a while at a Circle Jerks show. Oh, said it. Damn it. Uh, last month here in be damn it Trying try not to say that word <laughs> all right we'll see what happens henry's been wearing the same clothes since uh day one yeah yeah oh my god we have to do mike love versus brian wilson that's going to be a big one oh that's a big show big show in any case let's let's keep let's keep going through this
2: we're going we're gonna, to um, remix and remaster these songs and bring them up to date because our fans deserve this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, this is great. I can go along with that. We're going to reach out to Spot. We're going to get all of these tapes. And what we're going to do is we're going to make all of the records, gatefold records, whether they were gatefold records or not, because everybody that played a role in that particular recording is going to step up and they're going to, if they write a paragraph, if they write um, war and peace or what have you, mm-hmm. we're going to, we're going to make this appealing because a, a record nowadays, a brand new record is like 50 bucks. You, you know, yeah. you've got to make it worth everybody's time.
0: So there'll be. So it's interesting that Henry, Chuck and Keith, they want to ra- they want to round up he's he's basically explaining the whole story they want to round up all the masters they want to talk to spot spot ha- i guess ha- isn't control of the masters and stuff they're trying they're trying to sort of circumvent gin a little bit in the sen- in that sense or at least that's their idea maybe within the suit in terms of doing the terms. I don't know. I don't know why they're meeting. I it, I don't, does this, that, that's what we don't understand. That's the context that we're lacking here. Is that in relation to, is that in relation to the, the terms of the lawsuit that they're drafting up, the countersuit, the settlement? Like, I don't know why they're meeting to discuss what they would do in that regard, maybe that's them thinking we're going to be able to work with Greg once we settle, settle down and, and, and get their sort of, you know, terms figured out, that sort of thing. And then the other part of it is, is this um, maybe, maybe perhaps this is Henry, the reason why they well, let's let's listen a little bit more
2: photos. There'll be all of these antidotes and all of these stories and paragraphs here and oh, it was like we were recording and the bartender came and knocked on the front door and said, you guys are playing too loud, you're making it too loud downstairs and my, my patrons, all of the bartenders and everybody's complaining and you're making all of this noise and just all just ridiculous stuff like that. Henry suggested this. I said we we need to get the marks. Let's just let's check in on the marks.
0: So Henry suggested doing the re-releases and stuff. Keith is suggesting that we need to check in. When he says marks, marks is what they use legal, the 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 legalese for trademarks. You know the black flag bars, the the flag, as well as the name, the, all that sort of stuff. You know.
2: The marks being the four bars. It says it there. And the, the second mark being the name Black Flag. My lawyer handled it, and he couldn't believe how quickly these people got back to us because this is a this is a process. Sometimes it takes three, four, five years to get an answer from these people.
0: Now, when he's saying these people, he's talking about the trademark office and what Chad says. I think this is the conversation that started the lawsuit. He went backwards in the story. He de- maybe you're right. Maybe that's what it is. He's going a little bit out of chronological order here that this is what started it because when they did that, that's what that that's what sort of got Ginn riled up and started the injunction in the suit Um in 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 regards to that and that was happening at the same time that that they were sort of reuniting as flag and then the two things kind of get conflated a little bit
2: right something like that um it takes that long they got back to us it was like three months Mm -hmm. it was like are you kidding our eyes started spinning they said we're giving you the mark for the four bars we can't give you the mark for Black Flag because it's owned by a Japanese clothing company. Hmm. So what had happened was, Gin, in his ego or arrogance, or nobody can mess with me, I'm SST, I'm Black Flag, I'm this and that, mm-hmm. apparently just crossed his arms, folded his arms, and said, nobody's going to bother taking any of that away from me, I'll just, I'll have my lawyer crush him. right. I'll have my lawyer make it cost $500,000 at the halfway point.
0: So he lost it. Unbelievable to think the hubris of Ginn to do that, to not um, register those trademarks. They were just floating out there for the taking. Anybody could have filed that uh, a trademark claim on those, on those things. If someone had started using the black flag bars, Um, you know, let's say for a period of one, two, three years, let's say you want to do black flag soap, you know, black flag soap, where it's like a bar of soap. Like you could do that. And for, for three years and you're selling, you know, you're selling bars, literally selling bars. And then you, you, you file a trademark claim that you would have more of a claim because of the lapse, uh, because of the lapse uh, of 35 something years. Because that's what they l- l- found out in the court in the, when the injunction that Ginn had filed got rejected. It was partially because Ginn had purposely allowed and overlooked o- time and again the filing of the trademark stuff.
2: The name. He lost the name. We got the four bars. That's so we so we had that one of the things that happened during this process. So they actually did trademark the, the, the four bars. They actually
0: had the bars. Um, <laughs> Mike, I don't know what is what is his relationship with uh, what is his relationship with uh, Greg Henson? I know that they had a falling out and that's how Off kind of came about, right? Like Greg Hetson something happened with the 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 band the CJ's and oh my god, I almost said it again. Uh something happened with the CJ's and they um I don't know, they had some sort of split and then Off was uh an off product of that. Um Oh, there there's a lot Mr. Bark, there's a lot about Greg Ginn a
2: lot. we were talking about it earlier.: Somehow, all of this got leaked out onto uh, whatever pages on Facebook. Right. So you have every right. critic, every right. expert, everybody that knows every moment of the history of Black Flag stepping up going. Keith Morris is a thief. He went behind Greg Ginn's back. He tried to take some stuff that didn't belong to him. So so that's what happened. Going back to the
0: thing about the 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 initial stipulations of the suit, the lawsuit, the class action suit, which we'll talk about in a second, um, that leaked and onto the Internet, onto Facebook. And he's saying that like everybody, all these experts are weighing in and saying that he is a thief, that they are thieves
2: which was so far from the case, but I actually wanted to do that at one time. Right. I'm, I'm raising my hand and saying, yeah, I at one point considered doing that. I at one point considered going to everybody that was part of the band that had never received royalties and suing Greg Ginz. Mm-hmm. So it, it would equate to like seven or eight people. We, we got the four bars. And that was also something that we had to give up in the lawsuit. So
0: now he's talking about we had to give it up in the lawsuit. So I guess what happened was that was the leverage. So now, again, this is he's so all over the place. Um, Yes, I do know the CJs are touring again, and I I really would like to see them when they come to town because I've never seen them. And I feel like it would be such a good show. The uh, the the so now they have some leverage over gin and his lawyer i guess or at least one of the things that the, to set right it's like here we'll give you the bars we'll give you uh the lyrics we'll give you all this stuff in exchange for royalties that's what i'm assuming was ultimately supposed to take place and then gin's lawyer did the whole you know we're going to hold you up in court thing which is going to come back to the whole point of why we're talking about this Keith versus Henry.
2: Which is not a big deal. Although people there there's certain iconic rock logos. Yeah, the stones. You know, like the the Metallica. Yeah. You know, the stones with the lips and the tongue. Yeah. Um Black Flag. Four bars. DKs. Huh? Four
1: bars are recognizable.
2: Absolutely, yeah.
1: What do they stand for? Black flags. (laughs) <laughs>
2: it's a waving flag. This guy did not know. <laughs> so we even went to we we went to Raymond Pettibone, who not only came up with the name, but came up with the four bars. I because I'm I'm really good friends with Raymond. I said, Raymond, we're we're going after this stuff. Do you want to partake? Do you want to be a part of this? And he's um, he will say how much he loves his older brother, but he will also say how his older brother just ripped him off and used him and. F- Him over, and Raymond said, You have my blessings because you guys, all of you guys, deserve that. That belongs to you just as much as it does to him. Mm -hmm. So, he so Keith essentially
0: is saying, The guy who created the bars, the guy who came up with the name Black Flag, he gave you know Greg Ginn's brother, he's he's ultimately giving the blessing, the guy who probably owns maybe not the name, but owns that logo more than anybody else, he's the one that that gives you know gives gives the uh you know sort of owns sorry, I just had a mental gap there. He's the one who 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 created it he if anybody could give a chain of title of ownership it would be Raymond Pettibone. And so he's giving he's saying it belongs to all of you, Greg Ginn too, everybody, all of the band.
2: That kind of thing. Just as much as it does to anybody else. Mm. So we went for it and we got half of it. And like I said, he says, we went for it and we got half of it, meaning we didn't get the black flag name
0: because it was registered to the Japanese company. As we said, we did get the bars that
2: I had to give up the bars or we had to give up the bars because the way that it worked was there were the three of us in the room that agreed on doing this. My lawyer went and pursued it and and got the answers, not all of the answers that we wanted, but he got what we had asked for him to do. Mm-hmm. And the idea was the three of us made this decision. It wasn't just one guy. So he's saying the three of us went, hold on, let's
0: take it back for a second, because he says like a bunch of things, trying to understand this
2: exactly. answers that we wanted, but he got what we'd oh, asked. Let's take it back a little bit. As it does to him, mm-hmm. just as much as it does to anybody else. Mm. So we went for it and we got half of it. And like I said, I had to give up the bars or we had to give up.
0: We had to give up the bars, meaning that, you know, in order to make get what they want I'm about to sneeze
2: excuse me here it comes again the bars because the way that it worked was there were the three of us in the room that agreed on doing this my lawyer went and pursued it and and got the answers not all of the answers that we wanted but he got what we had asked for him to do mm-hmm. And the idea was the three of us made this decision. It wasn't just one guy trying to swoop and you know, not even telling everybody else. Our and team- mind mind you, the three people who are making the decision, Harry
0: Rollins, arguably you know, probably the, the biggest face of Black Flag, whether, you know, again, Ginn may be the mastermind, as we've talked about, and Chuck Dukowski is the heart of Black Flag, but Henry Rollins is the face. Of Black Flag, right? When people think about Black Flag, the first thing they think about is Henry Rollins or Henry Rollins is going to be the first name that pops into your mouth. So it's like you have Keith, a founding member, you have the heart of Black Flag and you have the face of Black Flag all coming in this decision and not just for themselves but on behalf of everybody in in order to, uh, you know, sort of uh, attack the situation.
2: ...was to just do this rather than going around and getting everybody's permission, you know, and spending another year and a half, two years, like, well, Ron, what do you think you, you want to, you want to, you want to be a part of this or, Mm -hmm. you know, Kira, you want to be a part of this, you know, cause I'd talk with Kira about. I, I,
0: I can understand that. I can also understand that as well, because at the end of the day, it, it always comes, you know what the, the more people you have in the decision making process, the harder it is to make the decisions. If three people are sort of speaking for the rest and sort of act as you know the leadership spearheading a situation, things are going to move faster. And in the realm of of, 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 of lawsuits, you know that stuff moves at beyond a snail's pace, the snails of a snail's pace, right? It just moves so slowly. So I get it.
2: I, I get that. Being being part of a um, class action suit when when the numbers are so big, there's so much money involved, it becomes a class action suit yeah. where you're actually in Washington D.C. You're not at the court in Santa Monica. You're not downtown L.A. You are you are going in front of like the the circuitry in Washington, D.C. Once we told everybody what we'd done, everybody was fine with it. You know, everybody was good with it. it was So
0: in these lawsuits, it's always Greg Ginn and SST Studios versus um, the Black Flag Company. And the Black Flag Company or whatever it is, something, the Black Flag something. I think it's the Black Flag Company and the company or the Black Flag Partnership. And the Black Flag Partnership represents all of Black Flag. I think Greg Ginn, too. That's the funniest part, because Ginn would be a part of this partnership if they had won that sort of thing. And so the 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 partner they, they they it's not just the three of them, they are representing a partnership. And that's what you see on these lawsuits when you actually fought, look at the court papers we, we read from some of those in the previous episode
2: it was like more power to you, you know, and i let everybody know that Raymond said that it was OK for us to do this. So we got it, we lost it. And in the lawsuit, um, We got
0: it and we lost it. We got it, meaning we got the bars. We lost it, meaning we lost the bars. I guess. I guess that's what he's saying.
2: I'm supposed to be receiving merch royalties, and I've not seen a royalty, a merch royalty check. So part of the deal was merch royalties,
0: I guess, even with what happened. Because I'm going to take a guess as to what happened based on what Keith says. It's coming up in a minute, and maybe you guys will make better
2: sense of this than me, but we'll see. At one point, the lawyer, the opposing lawyer, was like, um, I, "I said, you know, you're you're selling these T-shirts, but you're it's a drop on the it's a drop in the ocean as to what's going on on Amazon and what's going on on eBay."
0: Now, when he says that. And he's about to talk about what he did with the cjs but when he says that he's is he also trying to say to them like look you guys need to be going after the bootleggers for the black flag stuff too like is that what he means when he says that
2: and i explained that i took it upon myself to remove circle bootleggers going through all of that rigmarole
1: I've, I feel like, with, did I imagine or did I see you and Henry Rollins share the stage in recent years? Here we go. No. I, I imagined it. No.
0: Okay, uh, okay, here, here it is. This is the big, sorry, this is, I, sorry, I talked over it. I should have just been quiet. But here's the big part. Ready?
1: Stage in recent years.
2: No. I, I imagined it. No. Uh, and, and the um, final outcome of everything that happened with Henry was that he couldn't run fast enough. He could not. It's like, hey guys, let's do this, all for one and one for all. And when when the when the 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 um, buyout.
0: Okay, so pause right there. First of all, I see. Yeah, JD. The look on his face. He's so hurt. He's so he feel he clearly it looks from his face right now. He looks so betrayed and hurt by what happened with Henry. That's what it seems like as he's talking about all for one and one for all. He mentions the buyout. What does the buyout constitute? I'll tell you what I think after he finishes talking. Here we go. Ready?
2: The the, the, um, buyout, the royalty buyout for him appeared he couldn't take that and run with it fast enough so at some point there's a buyout what does that
0: mean what does that mean and what does it mean uh in terms of situation i don't fully know but here's what i think i think because he's telling this story all out of like order remember when he said earlier about how gin's lawyer said we'll tie you up for the next you know um we'll tie you up for a long time and it's going to cost you $500,000 or $900,000 or whatever it might be. I have a feeling that they, the offer on the table when he's talking about the buyout is uh, let us buy out your royalties or we will tie you up in court forever. And Henry Rollins seeing that it was going to cost him even more money or that it already cost him so much money or just not wanting to deal with Greg Ginn or not wanting to deal with Keith and Chuck over some unknown situation that we don't know. Cause clearly there's a lot of detail being left out of this. Like actually I think Keith is doing a pretty good job of like sort of giving us a little hint um, but there's clearly details being left out here. But there's some element that is making Henry Rollins be like, I want to get the F out of here. And and going from a place of all for one, one for all in in the partnership, the Black Flag partnership, uh, to and having this idea of doing reissues and all this stuff that we can do with Black Flag, to suddenly wanting to just get out of there super fast. And it's probably dealing with Greg Ginn and his lawyers And maybe not, you know, um, maybe not being simpatico with Keith and Chuck in the way that he thought he would be. JD says, I feel like there was some backstabbing. I'm sure that's how Keith Morris takes it. Again, once again, I see both sides of it. I understand why Keith Morris would feel so upset. I would be upset, too, if I was in his shoes. He's definitely not as wealthy as Henry Rollins is like Henry Rollins can afford to walk away. I, I, you know, Keith for Keith and Chuck, this might be a much bigger payday for those guys in that kind of way. And so I think it's really sad. I mean, it's pretty, pretty sad. Um, And he's saying that he could not take that buyout fast enough. So it sounds like maybe get, I'm gu- again, guessing, don't know, maybe gin, and his lawyer or L- Gin's lawyer said, OK, here's the deal. We're going to tie you up forever or you're going to take this buyout and you're going to cat, you're going to liquidate us because ultimately, what was the first thing that we read when we started this journey? The very first thing was Gin is in control. Gin is in control of everything, which means that Gin, he's in control of the recordings. I'm assuming that includes publishing, too, which means that that people bought out does that mean that keith begrudgingly bought out as well i mean keith might have taken the buyout too after henry left maybe chuck and keith followed suit because they had no other choice in that kind of way um but that's his
2: big issue with henry and um in the process leading up to that he had torn into chuck and i he'd He'd sent out a couple of just totally unnecessary emails, uh, but I feel- so he couldn't take that and run with it.
0: So, so, so now Keith is saying he uh, just before that he had torn into Chuck and I and some pretty nasty emails, but he doesn't say, or he doesn't say what those emails are at all. He doesn't say what's going on for whatever reason maybe the three of them just can't see eye to eye in how to deal with Gin and therefore when the offer of a buyout comes Henry is like you know what forget this i'm going to cash out liquidate i'm i'm never going I, it's like it's not worth fighting it's a pyrrhic victory it's not worth fighting Gin we're just going to spend more money and it just doesn't make any sense it's better to just walk away i'm making a lot of money i can walk away from this and that's what henry clearly did he it was a business move um but keith Ke- keith and duke i don't know keith and chuck who knows um but i get but i guess there were some emails that were 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 harshly worded
2: he couldn't take that and run with it fast enough and um in the process leading up to that he had torn into chuck and i he'd he'd sent out a couple of just totally unnecessary emails. So when I say tore into Chuck and I, he sent
0: unnecessary emails. It sounds like Henry might have um maybe trying to strong arm them or was being you know mean uh or forceful in in how he wanted things to go and decided to split. He split and he took the buyout and Who knows that might have crippled maybe not having Henry um, made Keith and Chuck lose leverage that they had, you know? I mean, who knows? Maybe Henry was willing to invest. Maybe he was investing in legal fees and then he's like, look, I'm pulling out. I'm not going to invest in the legal stuff anymore. This is costing me too much money. I'm out. Who knows who we ultimately don't know. We'll have to wait for Keith's book to come
1: out. But I feel like with Black Flag, you're familiar with the whole uh, Danzig and, and their their whole legal issues. They eventually sort of made up and then went on recently to play Money. to play arenas exactly. Money. But but wouldn't that wouldn't those offers Money. come no. in for you no. guys?
2: No. Money. they they are playing um, this evening over at our brand new soccer stadium, which equates to probably the, there might be about. 35, 40,000 people there. I know when they open the, when they open up that field, that's probably good for a minimum 20,000 people. Money.
0: I, I love that. He is just sitting and casually eating a plate of fruit, like a fruit salad as he's doing this interview. It's like really, really great. Um, He's like grazing. He's like grazing uh, at the table. Um, And, You know, there is a lesson to be learned from Glenn and Jerry. You know, even if they don't like each other, like money, it's exactly right. Money allowed those two, the two people who would never, ever work together again to work together again. You know what I mean? And every, you know, rift in punk rock could take a page out of the Misfits playbook because now they're. They've sold out Madison Square Garden. They're getting one point five million dollar guarantees. A punk band, a punk band, getting one point five million dollar guarantees. Yes, he did eat that entire interview. It's so great. I, I love this. I, I love this whole setup. It's just really great. Um, I just I thought it was cool that they were talking. You never hear um, Keith Morris talk about the Misfits, so I thought this was cool. I left this in uh, since we always talk about Misfits on this on this channel.
2: Money like uh, Cindy Lauper sang in the one song "Money Changes everything. everything." You and you toured with Danzig back in the day, right? With Circle Jerks? No touring. We played an occasional show with
1: them. Oh, okay. You have any f- funny Danzig stories, Glenn?
0: I'm sure he knows a couple of things, but
2: no. <laughs> no, I love the I love the Misfits. That's awesome. I can't. I can't say any bad things about not bad
1: not bad good like you know
0: uh jd i too saw the misfits in chicago i was with you in that sea of eighty four thousand people and it was awesome i don't think there was much animosity between glenn and jerry oh there's definitely animosity a lot of resentment about who deserved the credit oh no there was def I, i there was definitely there was bad blood dude absolutely there's bad blood but money can heal bad blood but not in the case of black flag um, in terms of what's the bigger rift, I still think the bigger rift is is uh, I mean, this is like I mean, this is pretty crazy too. But you know what happened in I mean, essentially a similar a, a similar parallel happened with the Misfits in the '90s. You know, there was they they had a class action suit against Danzig, and they won. They didn't win. They settled with him. They settled with him. You know. Um, what's up, Amy? Oh, what's up, Amy? <laughs> but um, I think more famous is Glenn and Jerry. I I totally agree, JD. Uh, we we all need some Sam Hain reissues. Those are that, that would be just super super awesome.
1: He's an interesting. Well, character. They were horrible live. Just
2: just brutally horrible live. But it was about the show. It was about all of just the, the big ball of energy and what it was. Awesome. Well, you got repo Man right here.
0: Never heard him talk about the Misfits before. That was so cool. So that's it, you guys. That is the Can oh, no, the no, no. Years. Are you friends uh, with Henry Rollins or do you know him? or Are you friendly? So, I mean, that that's where that's where we leave off in the story. And until Keith's book comes out, if he ever gets around to writing that second book, that's probably the only way we're going to hear about the full, the full rigmarole. Um, that's the only way. Uh, cause, cause Henry Rollins is never going to discuss it. And Chuck Dukowski is never going to discuss it. And Bill Stevenson, these guys wouldn't talk about that stuff, but, Keith is the type of guy he's like personable enough in that kind of way where like, you know, he talks about it and he doesn't talk about it. You know what's cool about that? That whole clip that we just watched. He doesn't talk about this stuff like in a malicious kind of way. It's all so matter of fact. He, he lays it out. Yes, he's very disorganized in how he tells it. And he like leaves out details and we have to kind of guess certain things. Um, But he's just really good he's really good at, at he was really good at sort of breaking that down um i i am dying to know though and by the way is it your first time ever joining us on this channel if so please subscribe we come on here we hang out on here all the time and have these sort of conversations and do these kinds of deep dives and we would love for you to to join us in the future so please consider doing that. uh, JD, thank you so much for the support. High five to you, sir. Dude. Awesome. I really appreciate the support. I really, really do. I'm glad you enjoyed the stream. I think Glenn got tired of lawyers and court stuff and Jerry could keep paying a lawyer to wear Glenn down. Well, one thing is for certain. I am going to be covering that stuff. I've decided, but here is the deal. I am going to be doing that. That will probably be a Patreon YouTube membership thing only uh, for a bunch of reasons, but I plan to do a whole deep dive. That's a topic that we've yet to discuss. Um, and it, I have the papers and it will definitely be interesting to sort of uh, dive in. Yeah. Yeah. I I have not read Keith's book. I definitely should read it, and I will uh, I I plan to check it out. I've read we were talking about this last stream spray paint the walls. That's where I get all my black flag knowledge from. Uh, Oh, that's cool. Last time I saw Henry Rollins was at the Stooges show on the side stage rocking out so great. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have seen the Stooges twice. If you look at the earlier streams, you guys you'll see that my tooth was missing because the, the front cap came off and I had lost that cap. I, I I mean, I'd lost that part of my front tooth at a Stooges show. Someone punched me in the mouth in the pit and shattered my tooth. And, and this was when I was 18 years old, seeing the Stooges and it was just the best souvenir ever. Great, great souvenir. But listen, please, please consider subscribing to this channel um we have more beefs we'll definitely have, we'll have to do the beach boys in the future right uh we got more shows this week just keep your eyes peeled stay tuned um you know i i almost forgot to tell you guys the thing that i i think was probably the weirdest part about tonight's show is the stickiness everything was just sticky really really sticky and you know what else is sticky stickers and you know where we get our stickers here at Riot, uh, at uh, from his channel. We get them from riotstickers.com. Uh, this channel is powered by riotstickers.com. Oh, by the way, we are most certainly going to take a look at Henry Rollins versus Iggy Pop. That is that is like my favorite story, and somebody just re-uploaded it, and we're definitely going to look at that one because it's awesome. Uh, but in any case, riotstickers.com, if you have a band... If you have an artistic project, whatever you need stickers for, you should purchase your stickers at riotstickers.com because we're running a special promotion. Normally, it's $59, but as you can see right here, you can get 53 by three stickers for 50% off. That's $29.50 at riotstickers.com with the 50% off code from us. So you go, go to the link in the description. And click on that link, and it'll bring you to the to this very specific promotional page on riotstickers.com. And what you'll do is you'll put in the promo code from us, which is the name of my last name, That this right here, F-R-U-M-E-S-S, right? You put that in, you're going to get 50% off, $29.50. Riot Stickers, I've done Riot St- business with Riot Stickers many, many years ago. Really, really loved working with them. I know a lot of people that have worked with them over the years personable independent business um you need ride stickers.com for all your sticker needs so check it out we're gonna play a quick little 60 second video Okay. Um that about wraps it up. Oh yeah. Corporate rock sucks. The rise and fall of SST records hardcover. Okay. April twelfth, twenty twenty two. That's cool. Pit injury show would be awesome. Yes, it would be. I have another one. I, I I got I got pretty beat up at uh CBGB's uh seeing the bad brains. That was that hurt. <laughs> that hurt a lot. It would be so awesome. Amy says it would be so awesome if Glenn put Sam Heyman on Spotify and Apple Music. I agree. I definitely agree. Let's see if we have any other um, comments here to mention. We did not really pay much attention to the comments in tonight's stream. Yes, 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 yes. Um, 1994 Rollins versus 1994 Danzig as uh, we we actually did a whole video on this. And I got to say, I think I think Rollins would would take it, man, easily would take it. You know, Sherm, first of all, nice to see you. Happy New Year. You always say from a save my life. Can you elaborate? How did I save your life? Or did the channel save your life? I'm always curious. You say that all the time, and it really makes me feel really good. I, I don't know if you're joking or if you're serious, but I'd love to know the story behind it. And I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're you're with us, and I'm glad you're in the chat. And uh, Happy New Year to you. Um, I definitely want to be there for that. Iggy Pop is Roland's dad. Yep. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. My glasses broke, and I could not hear well for four days after seeing the dead Kennedys. Mr. Chad, thank you so much for the support, sir. Chad, I appreciate your support. He says, yet another interesting stream. No big deal there. Awesome, dude. Really appreciate it. What's up, Eric? hope i didn't miss too much eric you missed the whole stream you're always you're always late from us is the bomb riot stickers is the bomb we did our, we did the ad we did the ad for riot stickers guys riot stickers is in the comments riot stickers sponsors this channel but i really do appreciate it. i appreciate chad's support and J.D.'s support and riotstickers.com support amy's support uh all of our Patreons and in, in the uh in the audience and whatnot really do appreciate all of you um, sorry, I need to highlight that again. Uh, let's see if we have any other thing, interesting, noteworthy comments up here in the stream. Again, I apologize for ignoring. Nope. Michael says, "I saw Keith and Henry on the Memphis Three tour around 2003 or 2004. That's when that's where Keith hung out and Henry vanished. Keith opened, opened then." Henry came out. Hmm. You know, I mean, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't be, listen, I think that's awesome that Keith hangs out, but I wouldn't like totally begrudge Henry for not like hanging out. You know, um, there's a lot, I think there's a lot of factors that might go into why he might be more antisocial. So I can't totally, you know, say that. Do what? Do I follow Rollins on Twitter? I think so. Whoa. Oh, my God. We got some more support from riotstickers.com. Guys, I, I mean, we just did it, but we should do it again. <laughs> if you need stickers, you go to riotstickers.com. We got the promo code right here. I'm not going to play the video again because we already played it, but go go here. Look from us right there. Look at this guy. Look at how he supports us. We We appreciate it. We really do feel, we really, really cannot say enough nice things about riotstickers.com. Yeah, well, this is how I currently, this is how I make my living, by the way. This is my job. I I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's like true. Like I, uh, this is how I, this is how I currently make money right now at this moment in time. Get tested, get tested, get tested. I don't know what you mean. I wanted to ask you: Have I ever interviewed Bob Aleka? I have not. I have not. That's a guy who I definitely want to get a hold of. And you know, it's funny. I just was talking to Steve Zing tonight on the phone about the music video that we're doing, and um, I, you know, I, I have wanted to ask him if he knew anything about where Bob Aleka is these days. And I just every time I talk to him, I always forget to. I definitely will. I definitely want to get him on the show. Um, We did. I did uh, email back and forth a little bit with Mark Kennedy, uh, founder of Misfits Central, for those of you who are familiar. So hopefully we'll get Mark on the show in the future. And you should, dude. If you're a sticker junkie, you definitely should, man. I'm telling you, they they have, you know, you could do die cut stickers too for $34.50. You get 50 die cut stickers. What's a die cut sticker? It's like where it's like a sticker in like a shape. Great stuff. Great stuff. Check it out. Link is in the description here. Not a fan of Rollins or the Misfits. Dude, Misfits are really great. And, you know, you... I totally understand and respect, you know, your, uh, your, your um, choice or whatever. I mean, that's your personal taste. Uh, but I, you know, I don't know what it is that you that you're not into about the Misfits. We should definitely give them another chance because they are great. And you know, check out some of that early that early Danzig stuff too. You saw the Misfits in 1981. That's awesome. Wow, tell us about that, Alex. Let's hear it. Alex Alexander Lawrence saw the misfits in nineteen eighty one. Um, where so that would have been uh Doyle and Googie in the band. Where where did you see them and who else was on the bill? And what did you not were not a fan of the uh the the loud abrasive sound, maybe? What's up, Hugh Dillon? How you doing? You saw them at the Cuckoo's Nest in 81. Wow. So, Alex, you've probably seen so many cool bands. You've probably seen T.S.O.L. at the Cuckoo's Nest, maybe. Some Christian Death. Uh, Black Flag, I'm assuming. CJ's. All that stuff. Um, Cool. That is cool. I am jealous. Um, I wish Danzig can have social media like Twitter or Facebook. Y- you should check out this if you want like the closest thing to like Danzig sanctioned stuff is the 7th House, which is run by uh our buddy uh Devilman and he he has he has like uh he's kind of like the official fan club for Glenn. So, check out the 7th House. That's that's like the closest thing for that, I would say. I went to high school with China White and TSOL. Wait, so you went to high school with uh, like Jack and Mike and and uh Ron and Todd? Did they all go to the same high school? Um, that is really, really cool. Wow. So you probably so were you around like when like Vicious Vicious Circle was around, like do like m- messing stuff up? Um, Mark Kennedy. Oh, I've seen the Misfits so many times, even with Danzig live, but out of my favorite Misfits shows was the first one. And Jerry and Des Kadena did like six Black Flag songs in a row. It was insane. So you saw Misfits with Danzig, but like recently, not like the original OG. Um, Mark Kennedy and I exchanged emails and chatted with Misfits. Isn't it amazing how Mark Kennedy, he is like a, he's like a legend in his own right, just for being like, you know, I, I don't know, like, he kind of like he 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 kind of like laid the laid the groundwork for all us other fiends in in so many ways. That's cool though. I'm glad you've seen the Misfits with Danzig. I feel like that's an important. okay, so you went to you went to high school with Mike Roach. That's really cool. Check out Devil Man on from Oh yeah, we did a show with Devil Man. Yes, we did the fun show. really, really fun show. I mean, I've been I clipped up those episodes, that episode. So there's like a lot of little clips coming out. Check out the Jerry Montano show too. lots of fun stuff like, you know, uh, Danzig and Rick James doing a song. yes, you heard correct. Glenn Danzig and Rick James uh, talking about doing a song together. And then Rick James died in 2004. Could you imagine? Um, I got some other cool shows possibly coming in the future. We're going to be having uh, Jonathan Grimm, who also was like he worked for the Misfits from like 94 to 2008. So we're going to and he was also a big collector of the original Misfits stuff, too. Had one of the biggest collections ever. His story is like incredible as well. And he was also friends with Mark Kennedy. Um, Mark, that's how Mark Kennedy, when all that information comes from from tanks, uh, Jim, Jonathan Grimm's um, collection, that sort of thing. Um, I really don't want the stream to end because I, I really have so much fun talking to you guys and we should really do another stream where it's just like casual general conversation, but um, I got to wake up because I have to get my son on the bus and I got to get my daughter ready. I got to she's got school tomorrow, so I got to hit the hay. I agree Lark. It It would have been really cool to see the misfits live. At the cuckoo's nest, no less. Um, you should do a show. Wait, sorry, Eric. Your comment's not popping up. You should do a show where you tell us your favorite versions of every Misfits song with multiple versions. Ooh, I would do that. We could do that. We thousand ways to skin skin that cat. Never saw the misfits, but saw the undead at Outhouse in Lawrence, Kansas. That's cool. I've seen the undead a few times and you know, you, you get you're guaranteed a good time at a at a Bobby Steele undead show. That, that those are always really, really fun. Plays a couple of misfit songs. I love there's so many, you know, his set list never changes for the undead. And it's just really nice because you're guaranteed to hear all the songs you want to hear. You can hear Be My Ghoul, I don't want to feel the pain anymore, um, The Invisible Man, 1984, all those When the Evening Comes seeing the misfits at the aftershocks festival. That's awesome. That's the most recent one. Um, yeah, I don't, th- I, I don't think, I don't think Glenn is actually on any social media, but he has people who are, I think that's how it kind of works. Something like that. I'll tell, ta- I'll end the stream with, with uh, a very quick, the very quick story about bad brains. I saw the bad brains. Uh, I think it was 2006. Funny, I, I also saw TSOL at at, at uh, CBGB's as well. I saw the Bad Brains at CBGB's 2006. I think it was February 2006. Um, maybe it was a hardcore matinee type package show. And I absolutely got the crap kicked out of me in the mosh pit. It was so brutal. I got like people punched me in the stomach. Um, I did stage dive. And I fell to the ground and I fell on my back. And for those of you who have been to CBGBs, been inside CBGBs, you might remember that like Hilly at, he would take like giant slabs of sheet metal and just bolt it into the floor. There were just like, there was just like sheet metal bolted to the floor you know, a floor that had seen so much and had sort of, you know, so many, so much wear and tear. And, you know, I, I wasn't wearing a shirt. I was just wearing some camel pants, probably weighed 125 pounds, 130 pounds soaking wet. Um, back when I had the metabolism of a hummingbird and, uh, (laughs) heavy smoker, you know, that, that whole trip. And, uh, yeah, I fell backwards i split open both of my elbows on that like sheet metal that bolted down sheet metal and uh it was a great time had a had a really really great time and the energy in that show was awesome and it wasn't with hr it was with john joseph from the crow mags was singing uh at that point in time hr was not the HR that from the 80s, like, no, you got to time travel to see like the real bad brains. But what was nice was I eventually would see the bad brains with HR a year later on a boat. And if you look in that bad brains documentary, um Band in DC, I'm in it. You see me getting on the boat. You see a really skinny version of me with long hair getting on the boat because we saw bad brains around the harbor around, uh, what, what you will call it. And we, we circled around, um, the East river and the Hudson and, you know, that kind of thing. And the bad brains played on a boat. And, um, and I have to say, I liked, you know, the John Joseph version better because he just had, he was doing the HR act You know what I mean? He was doing the HR act that he had grown up on in the 80s that he had seen a million times. He used to roadie for the Bad Brains. So he was just doing that sort of ferocious thing. So it was like it was so much more of a taste of HR than the HR who just stands in place and doesn't really do anything, which is how HR is today, because he just sort of stopped all that stuff and doesn't sing the songs the way he used to. So. Uh, so that's my bad brains story, I guess. And the guy, you saw the bad brains without without HR. The guy was doing head flips. He was not John Joseph. I'm going to guess that was uh, uh, Israel Joseph. There's this other guy named Israel, and he was kind of like, uh, he filled in for HR. This mu- Let me ask you a question. This must have been the 90s, right? Early 90s, Angus? That had to be if that was the case. um, So, yeah, that that's it, guys. I think that's it for today. We'll see you again real soon. Like always, we never stop. We never stop on this channel. Oh, yeah, here we go. Angus agrees or Angus confirms. Oh, wait, no, 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 we lost it. I just want to highlight that comment. Yes, correct. It was in the 90s. I knew it. I knew it. Hang out with Jack Brewer of Sacring Trust last week. That's cool. Joseph Israel, he was great, but he was no HR. Yeah, I would agree, man. I'm sure he would tell you that, too. He's a big disciple of HR as well. So is John Joseph. All right, guys, as always, we have a wonderful way of saying goodbye on the channel. We say peace and hair grease. Check out the Patreon. What is the Patreon you ask? Well, let me let me tell you a little bit about it. Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. So I've decided to make a Patreon. What is Patreon? I don't know how to define a Patreon. Let me look it up. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it very easy for creators to get paid for the things that they're already creating. I want to do it full time. I want this to be my full-time job. In my efforts to make that happen, I've set up this platform. Is it going to work? Is it gonna be successful? I don't know, but I would rather try and crash and burn than not try at all. The goal is to create enough passive revenue so that I can continue to do this full-time, so you get to peek behind the veil. And believe me, there's a couple of choice pieces. Most of all, more than anything, whether you join the Patreon or not, I just wanna thank each and every one of you that comes to the channel, that watches all the shows, that leaves comments, that participates, That subscribes. That's really the most important thing. This is just trying to find a way to earn a living as an artist. And with that, thank you for my TED Talk. Join the Patreon because we need you!
1: 66 cents.